it was the Emperor who unlocked the secrets of creating superhumans. Through many trials of alchemy and genetic artifice, he created his masterworks, the Primarchs. The genetic material of those legendary beings still shapes the galaxy, used again and again to create warriors that surpass the physical and mental limitations of the human race. Good evening and welcome to episode 73 of the Loaded Dice podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and with me is our other host. Correct, that's me. I'm Douglas. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> it was so serious. There was Gravitas. For the first time ever, there was Gravitas, Doug. Yeah, well, got to fuck that right off, right? <laughs> Not how we do things. 45 seconds in and train wreck. I love it. Yeah, I love well. It. This is... This this is what the listeners want. This is what they come I mean, here for. It's a podcast, <laughs> not an audio drama. It's fine. Uh, how you doing tonight? Good, better than I was last night when we were meant to record. Um, yes, we, we, we are coming. We are coming to you from the uh, Friday night, which is mm, exciting. We, we, I can't remember the last time I did a podcast on a Friday night. It's, it's almost exciting. All right. <laughs> But yes, yeah. I'm no longer bent double over the over the toilet bowl, so uh, time to record. No, no, that's that's always a, a good thing when you've stopped sort of throwing up everything inside of you. Mm-hmm. Lovely. <sighs> How about you? How are you going? Um, compared to you over the last twenty four hours, probably pretty good. Um, <laughs> no, the look, the only thing that I can really complain about today is that I shouldn't have even, I shouldn't have tried going to work. Um. Uh. I sat on a train station for 40 minutes waiting for a train this morning. Um, and then That's it took right. me like, yeah, yeah. Wasn't, yes. wasn't good here in Sydney today. If you, uh, if you traveled on uh, public transport of any kind, um, and then no, this, uh, um, someone, someone yeah. threw a Macca's wrapper on the, on the rails at town hall and the whole system was fucked for the whole day. Something like that. Something yeah. Yeah, completely fucked. Um, I, I actually thought there was going to be a riot at central station this afternoon when I was there. It was looking close. <laughs> <laughs> well they kept um there's sort of like a train would turn up and they'd go okay we've got to terminate sadly we've got to terminate this train everybody get off <laughs> um and then they'd get off and then two minutes later they'd go oh actually we can use this to send it to like lidcombe everybody yeah. get back on the train <laughs> and there were some very mm. very very fucking angry people quality um, but no, uh, that's that's basically everything, uh, real life wise. Um, what have we got in store for people tonight? Yeah, tonight uh, is mostly some some thoughts from you. We've got the new Space Brain Codex out, and you went and bought it, and have had a flick through. I would imagine, hopefully, before we started recording. Uh, I did spend uh, both train trips today. Uh, oh, well, that's all right. That's like last twelve night. hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's it. That's what the round trip is out to my place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, I've had a I've had a very good flick through the uh, the codex so far. Uh, yeah, and and quick thoughts so far as I I love it. Good, good. Should be good. So that'll be the the main sort of body of our podcast today. Uh, but you know, as always, we'll go through the usual stuff: games played, cool stuff, uh, things that have caught our eye. Um, and on that front, something we forgot to mention last week is the new Battle Sister Bulletin. Yes. Um, uh, so that we, I, I, I have, just give me two seconds, I'm going to flick to it now. So this is the, the one with the rather large scenic base. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Um, so what exactly is she? 
So she's the old uh, sister hospitaler. So she's the um, the medic. Oh, the medic one. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she used to be just on the 25 mil base with like the little mini um, Nathikium gauntlet thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, she was actually, she was actually, a, that model wasn't even a Sisters of Battle model. That was technically correct. a. Um, uh, did that come out with Codex Demon Hunters, I think? I think so, yeah. Certainly mm. Inquisition somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, this this one's really cool. If you haven't seen it, it's on Warhammer Community, guys. Um, and it's it's very much like a mini diorama. We've got a, a dying sister of battle uh, laying on the ground and mm-hmm. uh, a sister of battle above sending thoughts and prayers by the looks of it. <laughs> um, not entirely sure it's helping because those bolter wounds in her chest look rather... Um... <laughs> mm, there's no coming back from that, I don't think. No, if those are the entry wounds, the exit wounds are probably, um, yeah, yeah, rather devastating. Is not pretty. Um, Hair's still good, though, I notice. Oh, still perfect. Perfect bob. Yeah. Absolutely perfect, yeah. Um, I love the little sort of Turigen arms coming up over the back with the big giant, like, ginormous hypodermic needle. So um, I don't. <laughs> oh, you don't like that? I don't actually like the fact that every motherfucker in the 41st millennium now has a Chirurgian. That's Fabius Bile's thing. Oh, no, so thing. Did you, did, didn't you hear? This is actually Fabius Bile in drag. Um, ah, I see. On his off days, this is actually what he does, is he puts on a non-costume and does, you know, box parties. <laughs> uh, occasionally, yeah. You, you, you know, you know, like some, some, some more interesting sort of business meetings. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's actually Fabius under there. I mean, she's got the hair for it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you were complaining about that not too long ago. What was the other other model that had the Churigen backpack? Uh, Primaris Apothecaries do. Yeah, I don't feel like uh, it was that. I thought there was something else that had popped up that you were kind of complaining about. It's just that it was always billed as like this technological marvel that Fabius Biles picked up somewhere and that it's part demon and it's... All that sort of thing. Uh, and now everybody can just get it to work? Well... I guess they've been in the law for a while, but still. Is, is, is this so much like an actual, like, Churigen setup, like, he has that's, you know, like... So I always imagined that, like, a lot of his background um, mm. reminds me a lot of um, Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man. 100%, yes. Right, like so, like I think of his Churigen backpack in the same way that Doc Ox, like arms, right? They're like you know they clip into his nervous system, and but they kind of have a life of their own. Well, whereas so this actually, just seems like a you know this this kind of seems like a a fancy backpack add-on. Yeah, I guess I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll allow it. I guess it's just a light and a needle, and in theory, she's working that by hand, so it's fine. I guess. Fine. Yeah, actually, the sentience on his on Fabius's backpack. Have you ever read the Blood Angel series, the James Swallow one? No, I haven't had the misfortune of subjecting myself to James Swallow's writing in a very long time. It's fine if you get past the first, like, two, I guess, maybe. <laughs> but spoiler alert, Fabius is the big bad. Um, yeah. And there's a whole... I think it might even be a whole book and a half um, where he's disguised himself as a Megos Biologus. That's right. Yep. Um, and the Chirurgian's just running around as like a, basically as a servitor for him. 
And so when he finally reveals, it falls up on his back, plugs into his nervous yeah. system. Actually, I was, yeah, actually, I was, um, I was having a chat with somebody the other night about um, the Fabius Bio books that you lent me that I mm. still actually have sitting on this shelf behind me. Yeah, um, don't throw those out. Yeah, you're not getting them back. That's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, I've read them. And, and yeah, like there's there's some really cool stuff in there where it like um, automatically like stims him and stuff mm-hmm. at different points, and he and he like you know like there's a few places where it keeps him alive. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Um, when he like he's not able to do like inputs and stuff, it sort of like yeah doses him, so he keeps yeah. going. It's kind of cool. Yep, it has quicker response times than him sometimes as well. Mm. So it like deflects blades and stuff. Keeps him yeah. Going. So, so I guess the hospital I, I, is not doing that. Yeah, I, I don't think it's exactly the same thing. Fine. I, I think a you know hypodermic needle on an extendy arm on a go-go gadget arm is not exactly the same. Fine. <laughs> but the new Fabius had better be super cool. That's all I'm saying. Oh, oh, I would I would love like a new Fabius model. Like actually, there's there's some really cool conversions, and we're mm. already off topic, and we're only like two minutes in. But there's some really cool Fabius conversions using that um. Ah, uh, the, the the chaos execution award uh, that yeah, has the yeah, giant yeah. skin cloak. Like I've seen a few of those uh, bouncing around before. I sort of gave up a lot of the social media stuff. Mm. Um, nice. Because yeah. I know there were a few back when the chaplain, the Primaris chaplain, came out. Because um, he had that same sort yes. of cloak. He, yeah, big, big cloak. Some like bones seeing through it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They mashed him and the um, Primaris Apothecary together to get a, a big Fabius. Um, <clears throat> although my, my favourite that I've seen recently is somebody made a 54mm Fabius. That was cool. Uh, using Artemis as the base. Very nice. I remember the days when, like, you know, you could basically walk into a games workshop and pick up an Artemis. Um, and so, everybody had them. And, like, the mm-hmm. conversions you used to see people do were awesome mm-hmm. um like a, a, a an old mate of mine from school uh, picked up an artemis and this was kind of like oh, i reckon we would have been like year eight or something and he was a massive raven guard fan so he green stuffed he turned uh, he got the upgrade pack for artemis that had like a helmet yep uh, turned it into a beaky helmet nice completely smoothed over the whole torso and turned it into like a, a very nondescript torso, um, and then built like a fifty-four mil jump pack for him. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and did all that. It wasn't, wasn't like the best green stuffing job, but it was. Yeah, no, it was very cool, especially considering how like young we were, and it was like we only ju- had just kind of worked out what the hell green stuff was and how to use it properly. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually just Google searching Fabius bile conversions at the moment. Me too. Um, and, and yeah, 100%. If you haven't, listeners, if you haven't done this and you're a, you're a fan of Fabius Bile, go and do it because there's some really awesome stuff out there. Um, yes. And if anybody wants to wants to make one, yeah, this there's a really cool one I've just found that it looks like it's the, the chaplain and the apothecary from the Primaris yep. range put together. Um, that yep. looks like a pretty, the... uh, pretty simple one to do that looks mm-hmm. looks the part. Yep, because the new chaplain's pimp cane looks like the Rod of Torment as well, which is nice. Yes. So you don't have yeah, to do as yeah, much yeah. work. Fuck, I love Fabius. He's, he's a very cool character. Like, d- definitely there's, 
it's a little bit frustrating when he kind of like pops out of every nook and cranny and it's like, ha ha, it was <laughs> me all along. Um, and kind of rips his own face off in like some sort of odd Scooby-Doo moment. Um, yep. <laughs> right, let's see who it really was. Old man Fabius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have got away with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like that that's a little bit annoying that he kind of pops up from time to time like that. But those, um, the, what is it, Clone Lord primogenitor and is there a third one yet not yet uh, not yet but i imagine there'll be at least one more yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, very very cool yeah definitely worth a read i recommend them um if you're a fabius fan well i think one of the really interesting things about it right is it's another look at space it's another look at chaos space marines mm. and it's a very it's another unique look at chaos space marines so it's like you've got the um you've got all the iron warrior novels right mm-hmm. and they have one take on you know what kind of iron warriors and and what's going on with that crap <laughs> you've got adb's night lords which i think is an amazing like it's still probably my favorite portrayal of trader marines and like the have you read those no Ooh, you need to read them. Mm. Um, I think I've got them okay. on my shelf somewhere, but I, I I will try not to spoil too much. But basically, as far as they're concerned, it it's been like ten minutes since the heresy. Yeah. Um. And the, and he does some really he does some really interesting things with the timeline. And then they have this thing where it's kind of like there's still a very distinct part of what's left of their legion that it trader marines as opposed to chaos space marines and there's some really interesting interplays between the guys that have just gone down the chaos rabbit hole um and how they're considered by the other guys mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and how all that kind of works which is you know unique to night wards i think more than anybody else as far as their legion went um oh, but and then get... legion, right? yeah but i haven't really read any decent portrayals no, 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 no. Like no. if them post um, post scouring sort of thing, um, and then obviously you know the the Fabius books, you get a little bit of you get a little bit of everything. You get some Emperor's Children guys in there that are like you know very much looking for those glory days of old. Um, yeah. You know, Black Legion are in there. Um, actually, my my favorite is his sort of like pet cacophony. <laughs> yeah, they're great. But he kind of. That, that he that he kind of you know gives them the uh, gives them the garden, the wraithbone garden, so good, and they sort of turn into like these really odd like gardeners. <laughs> sort of, um, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it sounds it sounds insane, I know, but it's actually like a really interesting portrayal of you know what would happen if you go down that um, that rabbit hole that like noise Marines would go down and then somebody gives you psycho reactive, like plant material to deal with. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? It'd be so good. <laughs> um, yeah. Although weirdly, I think my favorite might actually be the death guard guy. Have you met him? Yet? Yeah. He's, yeah. 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 He, he, he's um, pretty cool. He, yeah, he's got his warden own... with the pet. Yeah. He, he's got his own, um, his own lab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's just and, and it's just like a so yeah, yeah, and it's just like a stinking mass of like shit, basically. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, there's oh. like there's there's some there's some decent stuff in there. Um, definitely mm-hmm. worth the read. 
I hear good things about the Black Legion series for that sort of thing as well. Yeah, uh, that's the one that starts with Talon of Horus, I think. It's mm, a really good question. Yeah, I want to say it's Talon of Horus that starts with. Um, I, I started reading it a couple of times and just never really quite got into it. Um, but I was very much enveloped by all the heresy books at that time. So I think it was just the fact that it was maybe jumping backwards and forwards in time a fair bit. Um, and I was like, oh, I really just want to read heresy stuff. Um, yeah, I only I just want to read something. Would be nice. Yeah, I only just started it maybe two or three months ago, and I still couldn't quite get over the initial sort of hump. Mm. Um, and yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure why, but I've got about three books like that where I'm into like chapter six or seven, and I just need to, I think, just find the time to sit down and read it. Sit, sit down and smash it out, yeah. Like, mm. I, the way I sort of think about it is it took me five goes to get past the first episode of Stranger Things. <laughs> um, so I'm more than willing to, like, keep going if somebody tells me it's, like, really, really good and worth watching or worth reading. So. Seems fair. Yeah. Whereas I still haven't watched Stranger Things, so. Yeah, well, you know, that was possibly a slight, you know, dig at you. Yeah, well, that's fine. Just watch. Right. I haven't haven't read Night Lords. I haven't watched Stranger Things. It's fine. <laughs> and I liked the Game of Thrones ending. Come at me, bro. Oh, I stopped watching that in like season three or some shit. Yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> it's fine to have stopped watching it, but apparently the internet just gets incensed if you liked if you liked season eight or whatever the last one was. Oh, and and I liked the Last Jedi. So, fuck yous. Was that the last Star Wars film they did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, you know. Blue milk. Guess that's something. Green milk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've, I've been such a such a bigger fan of the uh, Rogue One and the Solo film. Oh, ooh, yeah, they were better ooh, by far. Ooh, but... ooh. And, and I cannot wait for The Mandalorian. It's going to be fucking like top shelf. Yes, but oh, you have uh, doubts. You have doubts. No, my only problem is that Disney Plus isn't coming out here until like a year after it's been in the states. Oh no. Okay, so um, my wife actually sent me an article yesterday. Mm. It's out here on like the nineteenth of November. No, nineteenth of September, I think. Isn't that twenty twenty? Mm, don't think so. Oh, well, that would be all right then. Because I saw because one it that actually, was like... It actually came with a tagline that they're like... That we're actually... Um, let me have a look. Streaming from 19 November 2019. So 87 oh, nice. days, 8 hours, 54 minutes and 2 seconds. Oh, ignore me then. Get hype. The Mandalorian's yeah, yeah. coming. The Loki series is coming. The Cassian Andor series is coming. Actually, yeah, Cass the Cassian Andor one, I reckon, will be fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want people to see that rebels are, are actually terrorists. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I know that the, like, the TV it... show Rebels is meant to be from the rebel perspective, but they are completely terrorists <laughs> in that show. Like, 100% Empire Man to the core <laughs> right here. And remember, Doug, if in doubt, deploy the garrison. Yeah, well, I'm not blind. <laughs> uh, just remember that these are my achievements it's alright 
Doesn't matter. I'm the one standing on the bridge. Um, Actually, I saw I saw a really incredible um, meme. Well, I thought it was incredible because it was Star Wars, and it was ripping on the bullshit that's going on with Spider Man. Oh, I said that... that one. Oh, did you? That came from you. <laughs> Uh, there you go. <laughs> well, if anybody wants that meme, uh, feel free to get in touch with us at the Loaded Dice Podcast uh, Facebook page, and Doug will send that to you. Mm. Um, probably even personalize it, sign it or something for you. I could print one off and sign it. We um, could sell that. Yeah. We could raise money. We would. Well, except copyright, right? Maybe. Uh, no, copyright doesn't apply if it's used for comedic purposes. That's true. That's Unless true. you're in the EU. Mm. So apologies, European fans. <laughs> no for you. No. So actually, I was watching like just because we're completely off topic. So I'm going to ramble for a bit. No, um, please. So, <laughs> um, you know how to say that my wife sent me the Disney Plus thing the other day. Um, we've been like Netflix people since Netflix dropped here in Australia, basically. Um, and there's some stuff that we love on it, like Stranger Things is is really good. Uh, and a few other shows that are, you know, Netflix-only ones. But basically, a lot of the other Netflix content here in Australia has just become utter garbage. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just trash stuff. But one thing that we've found that's really good is um, their conspiracy theory shows <laughs> are, like, top-shelf garbage. Um, it, it It's amazing. So I've been watching every so often some really good ones, and there's, like, a, a Flat Earth one um, called Beyond the Curve, Oh, I saw that one. I didn't watch it, but I saw it. Oh, it's, I think it only runs for like 50 minutes or something. It's worth every fucking second (laughs) of it. Um, Especially when they start going out with the flat earthers who are trying to um, do science experiments in an attempt to prove that the earth is flat. Mm. Um, Even to the point where they got, they crowd, they basically crowdfunded a $25,000 gyroscope (laughs) that's used for like, um, they use them for like uh, international shipping and things like that. And apparently they got somebody to like buy it for them. And then they had, they were going to run all these tests and basically prove that it was all bullshit. Right. (laughs) And they kept running these tests. And like these guys, like, you know, they get introduced super seriously on the show as like, you know, scientists and all these sort of things. Um, I think at one point they get called like maverick scientists (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and you just said they're like you just watch it and they're just like oh no it must be broken so they send it back to the manufacturer complaining about the manufacturer is just like what the fuck (laughs) you were doing what with our gyroscopes um yeah so it's it's just an hour of them like just coming up with everything they can and just getting disproved in the next like frame Uh, so that was pretty cool but i watched one tonight um, that was on, like, Nazi conspiracy theories. So, like, conspiracy theories about, you know, like, Hitler, you know, didn't die in the bunker. You know, he got to Argentina, right? Like, all that basic stuff. But then there was one that I had never, ever heard before. Okay. Um, <laughs> and that is that sometime in 19, uh, 1943, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Bormann, uh, who, if you don't know, was basically, like, Hitler's body man secretary um he had some sort of role to play with like the secret police um Mm -hmm. he was considered to be one of the most like dangerous people around hitler um everybody was like really shit scared of the guy um and he was one of the people that stayed with hitler all the way through to the end 
Mm. Um, but he was known as like the great schemer and I actually think that a lot of the plans that Hitler came up with were actually Bormann's plans. And he was oh, yeah. almost like a bit of a puppet master. And that's that's like a, a recognized historical theory on like Bormann and Hitler. So that's not like the conspiracy side of things. Um, where it gets crazy is apparently in 1943, Bormann set up this meeting between like a bunch of Nazi party guys and some of like the really big German industrialists um, and some of the big German like families that had like tons of money, like, like the old aristocracy. Um, mm. And the idea was that Bormann basically had decided that Germany was going to lose the war. Um, there was no way that they were going to set up, you know, the Third Reich anywhere outside of what they'd already done in like 41, 42. Um, and so what they did, what he did was that he, he put in place this plan that was like for the next hundred years. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that they were going to lose the war. They just couldn't go down the same path as they had after World War One. And so they wanted to set up Germany um, as like Nazi Germany in the background. But the Fourth Reich was actually going to be what we know today as the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was interesting because like when they talk about it, they talk about like things like apparently there was a guy involved with it whose family was one of the one of the like controlling stakes in like Volkswagen. Oh yeah. Um, a lot of like the big manufacturing and industrial, so Krupp Steel, who were like the biggest mm. steel manufacturer in Europe at the time, and I think is still the biggest steel manufacturer in Europe. I think so. Um, yeah. And they made like you know everything from like steel for guns to boats and everything else um yeah and this is like like insane kind of theory that like the eu where it is now with like germany as like it's it's powerhouse even down to like the way the economic areas of the eu work out so like um how to move um how to move capital around europe without yeah. having to cross borders and without having to pay taxes um all of that was apparently done um like like yeah it was borman's like brainchild apparently in 1943 um and they've spent the last you know 80 years carrying it out and that's why we're you know where they are today is you know a a very german-centric euro um yeah (laughs) i'm not entirely sure i'd want to go into the european parliament and be like yeah you guys are like the nazi party right Uh, (laughs) oh But it's kind of interesting because apparently, like, there was a, um, this meeting took place at this place called the Red Hotel, um, Mm. in Austria, I think it was, um, and there was a US spy there, um, that was reporting on the meeting because it had so many high-ranking Nazis there, and his report, they actually lay out the people that were there in the room, um, and that they were discussing plans for, you know, if Germany failed. And you look at the people that were there and then the rest of it, and you kind of go, oh, maybe there was something, you know, there was some sort of, like, talk about what was going to happen and the rest of it. Um, but it could also just as easily be things like, um, you know, let's not burn all of our industry to the ground if we lose, yeah, which is something yeah. that we all know, you know, Hitler attempted to do in the last days of the war. He was like, just burn everything, blow it all up. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I, I nice. have no idea how we got onto that, but 
worth a watch. If you type in conspiracy into um, into Netflix, you'll, you'll get some really cool stuff. Do you know what that one was called? <laughs> um, I literally think it is called, cons- like, it, it's a show with multiple episodes. That was the first yeah, right. episode, and I want to say it was just called Conspiracy. Um, Seems fair. So there's one on, like, you know, the, I've only watched that one, but I think the next one was, like, on the moon landings um, mm. and all that sort of stuff. So it's kind of like your, your garden variety conspiracy theories. Um, but it was, like, quite... The production value of it was quite good. Nice. And it was kind of... It was being done from a central point of view with, like, people on both sides. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whereas the Flat Earth one I was talking to you about, I'm pretty sure was bankrolled by Flat Earthers. Glorious. Um, which is why it was, yeah, just even funnier that they just kept disproving their own shit. So Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, in, in, in some sort of attempt to get us back to hobby, what have you been up to recently? Uh, <laughs> what have I been up to? So that was a good review of the, the Sister Hospitaller, I guess. Um, I'm glad we <laughs> spent the time on that. Um... Uh, what have I been up to? I finished just today building my um, Gene Stiller Cult Riot Cops, uh, which is good. So the, the shields and the hands and stuff came in, so they've all got um, got their riot shields and their, their power malls, which is cool. Um, uh, have you have you popped those up on the Facebook page? Not our one, but the Brush with... Ooh, actually, not even on Brush with Destiny yet, but I threw them up on mm-hmm. some of the other pages around the place. Yeah, so definitely, if anybody sees them... Uh, they're Necromunda Enforcers they with Gene Steeler Colt and Scion heads. Mm-hmm. And then it's Anvil Industry Shields and Riot Malls. Is that right? No, the malls are just the, the Adeptus Mechanicus ones. Oh, okay. Um, just cut off the hand and, and stuck on the Enforcers. Because um, nice. I couldn't find a, a good baton that I liked that had a hand sculpted on that wasn't a GW one. So I was like, eh, we'll just use this Guitari one. Um, um, yeah, so that's good. So what do you guys... So you're running them as Crusaders, you were saying? They will be, yeah. So they'll be my... Uh, so I've got 10, so that's in theory one big 10-man Crusader squad. Um, the idea being that they're, what, cheap-ass dudes with a three-up invulnerable save who can replace a lost guy once a turn. Yeah, so, like, the, the best way I've heard of running Crusaders, and I was definitely going to give this a go at some point, mm. was um, 10 of them with, mm-hmm. like, power weapons and the uh, and the storm shields. Mm. You then run uh, a priest with them. Yes, that's the plan. So, so you, yeah, so you get the extra attacks, and then you put them in a Valkyrie, and you combat drop them on top of people. Ooh. ooh. Be- yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I could do, I could do like a rapid response Valkyrie, just in the, yeah, in the blue and white tactical kind of SWAT colors. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I, I sort of had. <sighs> I have to buy another Valkyrie. <laughs> it's fine. Sorry. Um, come and come and pick one up out of my bits box next time you're over. <laughs> Maybe. I think there's a. I think I found a few of them. Uh, but no, the. Um, yeah, I was going to use because I've got an old like Arbite squad. Mm. And I was gonna, I was gonna do that at one point. I was like, "Oh, that's actually pretty cool." And it's not, um, like you don't have to put them in the Valkyrie, but it kind of takes care of the question of, you know, them not getting shot to pieces before they get there, because they're yeah. actually a pretty, pretty nasty unit, especially when you throw the priest in there for that extra attack across the whole unit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. And as somebody who likes to have uh, something that 
not quite draws attention, but like locks stuff down very early. I think being able to airdrop them in just to sort of like you've got to charge them or kill them before you can move. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Okay. Well, looks like I'm going to pick up a Valkyrie then. <laughs> that's all right. Nice. Uh, yeah. So that's good. I've, so I've built them. Uh, they get a spray probably tomorrow and then I start painting them. Um, I have started on my Unmade for Warcry, which is exciting. Very nice. Yeah. So I'm doing them in a black and white sort of monochrome or grayscale scheme. Um, and then picking out just a couple of spot colors for funsies. Um, although you seemed to think that one color is enough. Yeah, I and and look, I, I think it's just like my original comment when you were sort of talking about it was was I was thinking, um, in my mind, like Sin City. Mm. So like everything's black and white, you know, uh, except for blood. This is just blood and it's red. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like, oh, that could be kind of cool, like to just take it to that next, like, yeah, yeah. But then yeah, again, I might. They're your models. Yeah, I might do one that's just got the the red, and then mm. see how that goes. Because um, I and, like, I really, I really loved your test dude. That's got the um, you can see behind the mask that the head's yeah. been flayed and it's red. Like yes. that was like super sinister, right? And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. And I was kind of in my mind, I'm like, how do you get that red into like the eye sockets as well? So that mm. like, like, but I don't think the masks are, are that detailed. I think they're too like flowy. They're not, yeah. Uh, they're reasonably harsh, but they're also meant to be like quite thick metal. So okay. you don't see an awful lot sort of through them. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about maybe because a lot of them have like scars on the on their arms and legs and stuff. I was thinking about maybe painting the scars in that same sort of red color and using oh, that cool. as the extra as the extra sort of color point. Yeah, are you, are you thinking about like like flicking some um, blood for the blood god across them or something like that as well? Mm, I don't know yet. I was thinking about it, but then I'm like, mm, is that too much? I can't tell. Um. Yeah, I haven't quite decided yet. And I want to get them all to a point where they're just done and then maybe I'll decide if I want to spatter them. If you want to like add it, yep. No, yeah. That's, that's very cool. Because I think if I wanted to do that, I'd be trying to hit it with like a... And this is part of the reason I don't really want to do it. I want to try and hit them with like a, a light grey where the blood's going to go first and then put the little streaks of red just Ooh. so that they stand out a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. But then it's that tricky thing of how do I get that grey underneath the blood and then put the blood on top in a way that looks like it's just arterial spray? Yeah. Um, you Maybe can't. I just flick grey on a toothbrush and then go back over really carefully with the, the red. And then dot um, in every single... Yeah, you could. <laughs> sounds like a lot of work, though. It does sound like a lot of work, yeah. And they're already more work than I'm used to with the gene stealers. <laughs> I'm actually edge highlighting and shit. What the fuck? Ooh. I yeah, know. Yeah. Like, like, what can we do with contrasts? How do we do this with contrasts? <laughs> well, I'm using quite a bit of contrasts, actually, because the to get the metallics down to, like, a really dark base and then get them up, they start at Black Templar over uh, Gracia. Yep. Uh, and then to help the clothes stand out from the metal and the skin, that's uh, Basilicatum Grey over Gracia and then highlight it up. Yeah, nice. 
Okay. Um, that the skin's just a black wash over gray sea highlighted with Ulthwin gray. There's a lot of bits and pieces in it, but it, it works out quite well. Um, I'm happy with the, the test guy. I'll do two more of the awakened ones who are the lowest dudes on the rung anyway. Um, you know, see how they go and then um, uh, make a decision for the, the bigger dudes. I did notice actually, as I was painting one of my awakened ones today, he's missing digits, which is interesting. Also, he's been like cutting off his own fingers and stuff. Yeah, so he's missing his ring finger, uh, sorry, his middle finger on his right hand. And he's missing, I think, his right pinky toe as well. Whoa. So his balance is probably fucked. <laughs> and you just have to, like, kind of, like you kind of hope, like, considering, you, like, what their back, like, how fucked up their backstory is and stuff, that maybe he didn't cut them off. Maybe he, like, chewed them off or something. Mm, like, something like, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be cool. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with them. That was really cool. Um, what else have I done? Oh, I finished my Shattered Storm Vault as well, the Warcry Terrain. Yeah, no, I saw that. I want to uh, I, I want to come up and use my Iron Golems on that table at some point. Do it. Be very, um, very keen. Yeah, and then uh, did I do anything else in the last couple of weeks? Uh, started on some commission work, but none of that's really hobby, I guess. Um, I think that's just about it. Played some, played some games. We'll talk about that in games played. So how about you? What have you been up to? Oh, actually, sorry. That's what else I did. I read Conrad Kerr's. Uh, like I promised I would. Nice. What are your thoughts? I didn't hate it as much as Angron. <laughs> uh, which makes it a comfortable second last in the Primark series at the moment. I think the, the whole... The whole... Mm. You know that storytelling device that we seem to have fallen into recently where you start at like the, kind of like Final Space, right? Where you start at the end where the guy's almost dead. Ah, uh, yeah, there's there's actually a name for that and I cannot for the life of I, I got taught it at university in an English class and it's like a very yep. specific thing. So yeah, that's how common it frigging is as a device. Yep. So it's that. It's the final hours before Kurz gets assassinated basically. Right, so he's sitting in a chair listening to fucking death metal and going "Oh, my dad hates me. Ooh, well, Didn't I love me he's, enough. Ooh. He's made a flesh sculpture of the Emperor uh, in like his back room, basically behind where the throne room is. Um, and is like accusing it of all sorts of things. So it's just Conrad Kerr's being mad for like an entire book. Oh, nice. Nice, yeah, yeah, because that's 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 when you know you've completely lost the flesh sculptures. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Yep. And it's, it, <laughs> the one thing I kind of, probably the high point of the book, but also the thing I hated about it is, I don't know if you saw in, actually maybe you didn't, in the Angron book, there's a moment where before he gets the butcher's nails, Angron, like, takes all of the pain and suffering away from his like gladiator brethren because clearly he's like borderline psychic um and they all get like a good night's sleep out of it yeah which is like why it, it, it was unnecessary but i guess it's that whole <laughs> all the things that were lost when we had the butcher's nails around we knew was it fucking butcher's nails um anyway this isn't a review of Angoron. this is a review of curse curse does the same fucking thing where he is in the middle of like administering justice on the back streets of Nostromo 
um, and suffers like a vision headache and gets like two visions of, of reality. So one where um, the ganger he's about to kill sort of goes over to help him after his vision headache. And then they like transform Nostromo into this world of like culture and, you know, bullshit. And Kurz is a good guy. Oh, and they uh, take door number and they take door number two. It sounds like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We all know how the heresy plays out. Kurz clearly takes door number two, and then like it happens so early, and it undermines everything Kurz is right because Kurz has always been throughout the entire heresy novels, throughout basically everything, a fate is set kind of guy, right? Yep. Whereas this gives him like that Shakespearean, like you know, he had the opportunity to be good and he decided not to be. Yeah, it was just like, because Kurz is always like, I couldn't have been anything but what I was, because while I had visions of what could have been otherwise, there was only one true path, and it was what happened. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I... and in chapter two, in chapter two, <laughs> right, he gets presented with this with these two alternatives, and he kills the kid, and goes on to like slaughter everyone. Um, and part of the whole vision was like the, the door number two vision is the kid picks up his knife and shanks Kurz. Um, and while Kurz survives, his the fear that he inspires is lessened, right? He becomes, the kid goes on to be this warlord and blah, 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 blah. Um, Kurz's workload is doubled, basically, or tripled, quadrupled, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so then Kurz kills the kid because he can't let that happen. Um, but like there's this throwaway line at the end where the kid's knife was well outside his grasp. Yeah, okay. All and so right. Kurz's true vision wasn't ever going to happen. And he's just janked for no good reason, and it set him on this path. And I'm like, ugh. Yeah, even, I, his, I, even his death is a fate is set kind of death, right? Like, his whole thing is, this is what has to happen. Yeah. Because well, it was always going to happen. And it's just, chapter two. Chapter two. Yeah, Curse has always, for me, Curse has always been a counterpoint to Sanguinius more than any other Primarch. Mm. And it, it is for this reason that they both have visions. They both have that same kind of, like, precog going on. And as much as it seems to be slightly different between the two of them, it, the way they go about it is very different. Like, you're, you're right. Like, everything I've ever read about Curse is... That was just... Like, he's just stuck. It's like he's on train tracks. Mm. He can't do anything else. Um, although he doesn't... He doesn't try to do anything else. No. Like, he, like he, he's very much resigned to that fact. And that's one of the things that I think... And you get that in the heresy books where, you know... And actually, even in ADB's books, um, why so many of the Night Lords fucking hated him was that it was like he never even tried. He never tried to do anything else. Mm. He never tried to, you know, put Nostramo back on the right track again. Yeah. Um, There's just a thing, whereas you then get Sanguinius, right, that does everything, absolutely everything in his power to the moment he dies to change, like, the fate of him and his sons. Like, it is only at the very, very end. And even then, when we don't have a Sanguinius book yet. We don't have those, you know, end of heresy books. But there could be something that goes on on Horace's flagship. But for the most part, we get the feeling that he either... He sacrifices himself because he knows he has to. Mm. 
to change things. Um, or, yeah, or, you know, like maybe it's a bit foggy at the end or something. I don't know. But I think that's a that's an interesting counterpoint. So to hear that they've done something like that. And it sounds like they do, they've done it because obviously there's some people out there in the hobby, as wrong as they may be, that actually like Kurz as a character. <laughs> and it makes him, like, more likable or something. Or more easily likable. Maybe. To some people. Fuck. I hate him even more now. Yeah. <laughs> Although, having said that, one of the things that elevates it above Angron is that at least it gave me, a, like, a solid ending for Dawn. So there's a throwaway line in there somewhere where he's like, a, you know, Curse saw Sanguinius speared on the, the um, what's it called? Vengeful Spirit. Um, yep. Ferris Manus beheaded on the Black Sands of Isvan. Rogel Dawn torn to pieces. Uh, and I'm like, yes, fucking yes, Dawn is dead. <laughs> He's not coming back. <laughs> Perdurabo wins. Oh, God. And that's my takeaway from Conrad Kerr's. <laughs> 10 out of 10, great book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, no Dantioch. That, that's always a good thing. Great success. Also, no Sevatar, <laughs> which was nice. Oh, really? How do you get a curse book with no Sevatar? Because it's in the, those last minutes before he dies, right? Sevatar's outside. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so he's mentioned, like, twice. But even in the flashbacks, he's not really a main character anywhere. Yeah. Which is a bit, which is a bit of a shame, because Sevatar is, without a doubt, the best thing about Night Lords. Hmm. I disagree. In that there's nothing good about Night Lords? Mm. And the people that play Night Lords should be definitely ashamed of themselves? I mean, there is that. I mean, look, on the levels of shame for playing Legions, Night Lords are still slightly above World Eaters. Um, and you both of them. You mean no, World, world Eaters? No, no World Eaters. Word Bearers <laughs> are underneath World Eaters, and Space Wolves are underneath right. Word Bearers. Um, <laughs> So let me just alienate like 90% of our fan base right there. Um, I actually really liked, oh, who was it? I don't even have a name for him. So it shows you how much I liked him. But uh, in terms of the characters in the book, there's this guy who hasn't quite severed all ties to family on Nostromo. Um, and so he basically, in, in uh, the name of increasing his family's prestige back home, is the one who starts introducing the like criminal psychopaths into the Legion rather than the best of the best. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> um, which I love. He's probably one of my favorites because his motives are understandable. He's like, I'm in it for gain. Yeah. It's just okay. it's easy. And then Kurz, and that cuts back to Kurz talking to the meat puppet emperor because of course it does basically every chapter. And he's yeah. like, but what could I have done? It was always going to have happened. I can do something. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't like him. Like, I, I, I think the other side of it as well is like, you know, obviously, yeah, that's such a, like, I think everybody as a like when you, you know, we grew up in a society where it's oh, you know, free will and choice and all this sort of stuff, and it's kind of like more important than anything else. Mm. So to see somebody, you know, like, like even like you know, and we get this with fictional characters all the time, but you know, especially like antiheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to hate that about them. Is it's like you had choice. You could have thrown yourself out an airlock. You know, like like you know, like there was a choice. You could have done something. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah, anyway, that's my review of Conrad Kurz. Um, nice. Yeah, I don't know what number I'd give it, but... <laughs> how many how, how many bats would you give it? It's got to be like five bats, though, right? Because Kurz is all, ooh, spooky bats, aren't I cool? Um, <laughs> I'd give it maybe two good and proper iron skulls. Okay, all right. And that's only because of the uh, the Dawn reference, right? Uh, one skull is for the Dawn reference, for sure. But, you know, it was still a book. I still read it. <laughs> Words were arrayed on a page in a way that made sense. Um, and it was cool to see some, like, back alley Nostrum and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I imagine it. that would be... Like, that would be... Uh, have you ever seen the movie The Crow? No. Uh, um, anyway, amazing movie. Uh, but, like, it, it's very, like, you know, dark and gothic-y and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And I always imagined that that was just kind of, like, what Nostromo would be like. Like, just roving gangs of miscreants, like, stabbing each other in the streets. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although it's interesting, the the opening vignette... Uh, once you get past the meat puppet bit, is this woman who uh, briefly thought about killing herself because life on Nostromo was shit. Uh, and so Kurz rocks up and kills her. Because <laughs> he's like, killing yourself is wrong. It's like, okay, cool, but I didn't. Yeah, but you were gonna. Fucking... <laughs> He's like, I foresaw it. Like, nah, mm. Oh god, it's it's Minority Report all over again. Yeah, basically, right? He's like a one man Minority Report. Yeah, and it's just like, <laughs> come on, man. Do we like Tom Cruise to play Conrad Kurz? I don't really like Tom Cruise either, so it kind of works for me. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, we'll put that suggestion to one side. Um, yeah. So that's me. What have you been up to in the hobby? Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, I've been painting some more iron golems, uh, my Warcry warband. Nice. Um, so I'm doing some sort of, like, probably not as interesting as what you're doing with contrasts. Um, but my iron golems are going to be, like, they're in, like, bronze armor. I don't like that, like, red, candy red sort of thing going on. Mm. So I love, like, bronze armor. And one of the things I've been doing is using uh, contrast paints as washers. Nice. Um, because a few things I was sort of reading, like, you know, uh, Blanche did an article and he was talking about, oh, you know, they act a little bit like oil washers and you can do a few different things. I thought, oh, I'll give this a go. Um, so I've been, uh, I want to say it's Baltazar Gold is my armor base color. Yep. And then I've been like playing with like uh, Black Templar and one of the other contrasts over the top of it to get like a very weathered, beaten, bronzy, brassy look. Um, and then doing some of the highlights in it and the rest of it. And I'm kind of happy with uh, how that's coming up. It's giving it a very interesting look. It's definitely not gold, which is nice. Um, nice. So that's uh, that's been a bit of fun. So I've got, I think, like four or five guys done, um, or at least sort of like, I guess, tabletop done. I've got to do some, like, base them up and do a few other things to them. Um, but that's cool. Um, what else have I been doing? Um... I'm sure there was something else I've been doing. Oh, I've been doing a fair bit of list hammering. 
with the new Space Marines Codex uh, and Battle Scribe, which seems to be updated. So if you're looking for anything, jump on the Battle Scribe and take a look through. Uh, and then other than that, it's still sort of like doing hobby clear out stuff, actually. Hmm. I've been, uh, I've completely cleared out the hobby room and moved stuff around. And now I'm just sort of cataloging for selling stuff, uh, which will be good. I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to, uh, what I'm going to finance next. I'm sort of thinking maybe whatever space marine army I come up with, I'll have to like buy some more bits for it and whatnot. So, uh, that should be good on that side of things. Nice. But yeah. Uh, and no, sadly no games played since last episode. Um, have not been able to find the time, sadly. Mm, no, that makes sense. How about you? I, I know you, you played uh, Adrian recently for I another... Did. Yeah, for another Battle in the Bush practice game, which was good. He brought his Imperial Guard up, um, which included a... I'm going to get it wrong. No, I'm not. Macarius Vulcan. <laughs> uh, yeah. So with the, the miniguns. How, how did you find that go? That that sort of goes. Yeah, it wasn't a huge issue. Um, mostly because having like 80 Acolyte hybrids to throw at a problem seems to solve most problems. <laughs> um, also, the Italian Jackals kind of made their money back multiple times over by just like tagging tanks. Yep. Nice. Um, yeah, Adrian didn't quite have enough screens. He had... What did he have? Three squads of veterans in Chimeras, which were the Emperor's Blade Assault Company, the guys who can hop out after they yep. um, after they move. Um, he also had uh, two or three infantry squads. I think it must have been three, because I think it was two battalions. Um, <clears throat> maybe it was only one. Anyway, but anyway, either way, it was, yeah, two or three infantry squads, which were insufficient. Uh, particularly once you get up there with the Italian incinerators and stuff and burn them out, uh, which meant that I was just tagging tanks the whole game. Um, I think I only had to charge the Punisher once, which was nice. <laughs> um, and I didn't have to charge the Vulcan at all. So it just kind of kept getting tagged in, in pile-in moves, which was good. Um, so I think next time he'll probably space out his tanks a bit better um, and screen a bit better. Um, which is good. I think we have another practice game coming up this weekend, which I'm looking forward to. Nice. Um, but I think my my secondaries are pretty much locked in now. I like Recon, um, and I like Behind Enemy Lines, because I think I can score them both without too much trouble most games. Yep. Um, yeah, and then just one extra one. So I, t I think I took uh, Big Game Hunter against Adrian, because I knew I was going to kill at least four tanks. Um, or else I was going to lose. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think we said this on the uh, on the last episode when we were doing a bit more of a deep dive into that mm. secondaries for ITC, but obviously behind enemy lines and recon are, you know, don't really have that much to do with your opponent. Um, and there are also things that you can pick up even if you're losing. Yes. Put some points on the board and the rest of that sort of thing. And when we get into the Space Marine Codex, you know, they've obviously got some amazing tools um, that I think most Space Marine players are probably going to be looking at things like engineers, recon, and behind enemy lines. Yeah. Yep. Did you have any more of a, any more thoughts about engineer? Or yeah, I did. I think the problem is that I keep looking at it, and I think they're the like if I make two brood brother squads or something engineers, they're just going to get shot off the table. Um, because I get like 
it depends on how much terrain there is, right? If there's two sort of magic boxes I can hide them in and not a lot of indirect fire, then maybe. But otherwise, I think they're just too easy a target. <laughs> um, yeah, po- yeah poss- possibly. But I, I guess it's, you know, the, the other strength in your list, obviously, is that there's no immediately visible targets, like primary targets. Yeah. So well, they might, the they problem, might hide right? a little bit. Um, yeah. Although, then again, I guess you can go the other way and you make them the primary target. Exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> yep. if your choice is three squads of bikes that are minus one to hit, or, you know, three squads of Brood Brothers, two of which are scoring me points every turn, those two Brood Brother squads are probably primary target. You're going to get knocked out. Uh, yeah. yeah, true. Whereas I think I'd rather have two that I'm scoring almost no matter what. So like recon and um, behind enemy lines, and then one that's that I'm going to score if I'm doing well, which I think I can sort of live with. Yeah. No. Nice. Because even if I'm not doing well, I think I can kill either some characters or some tanks or something. Um. <clears throat> but yeah. Yeah. Well, you, well, obviously you've you've got the tools for taking characters out and the rest of it. Yep. Um. And uh, between what are you still are you still running eighty acolytes? Ninety five. 95 acolytes, you should be able to kill some sort of tank. Yep. Knight. Well, I, took the, I took the Macarius down to like three wounds in one turn, so. Yeah. And it's I kind agree. of knight level stat line. Not quite, but, you know. Yeah. In all the ways that matter, basically wound count. Um, always. Always love the models. Uh, like I've got a I've got a Macarius that is still sitting on the uh, in the to build pile. Oh, actually no, I think it's in the to paint pile. I think I did build it. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous models. Um, mm-hmm. Like just don't seem to do that well. Like maybe it's because like the Bane Blade, most of the Bane Blade variants are just so good. Yeah. Um, that it doesn't look as great, but it, it's getting pretty close to them in points. Yep. Um, but doesn't throw out anywhere near the sort of firepower a Bane Blade throws out. You just kind of go, ah, oh, yeah, cool model, but just not not worth the slot, I think. Yeah. Yes, whereas Adrian and I were talking post-game about maybe Malkador Defenders, because they're only heavy support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think when they, you know, most people complained about them downgrading the Malkadors, but I think it's actually a good thing. I think it makes them more usable like there's there's a bit more yes. utility there in them as opposed to you know so much stuff competing for those awards of war slots for um guard if you want to run that way um because yeah, it is a day like like i think you know double bane blade or you know hell even triple bane blade or double bane blade and a storm sword or something uh, and a shadow sword is just too good yeah 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 um, although I, I I don't know how much of that's left in the meta. I know a while ago it was a big thing. Yeah, they keep getting shot by Castellans, which is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, they kept getting shot by Castellans, which was the problem. Yeah, I'm still keen to see if anybody's running those sorts of lists at Battle in the Bush. Yeah, well, uh, they, they published the list sort of breakdown, and I think I put that up. Did I put that up in our group chat a little while ago? Oh, I, I, I saw that you you sort of went through, and you know, it's X many Space Marines, X many Tau. Yeah. Uh, but you didn't say much else. I don't know whether you had the info on whether they're, like, what the actual lists were within that. Yeah, I did. There's So I think basically everything that had a knight in it, I listed as having a knight. So there was, like, seven or eight Imperial Knight lists. And then, like, 
mm, three to six chaos night lists. <coughs> or knights that included a chaos. Oh, sorry, army, army list that included a chaos knight. So there's a few knights around, but it doesn't feel like they're really quite so prevalent as before. Lots of space marines, uh, which is a shame for them because the new codex doesn't apply. Yeah, no, that's that, that that's a bloody shame. I think you'd be pretty pissed off. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, one Tyranid player, props to them. Uh, five Genes Dealer cult though. Yeah, that, that, that that's that sounds kind of about right as far as that sort of breakdown goes. Because it's what it's an eighty person tournament. Yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, so that's that sounds about right, and I think. You know, a lot of people, especially um, especially now ITC's got the awards for, like, monofaction and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, they seem to be a monofaction that can do a lot of damage on its own. Like, it doesn't require anything else. Like, I guess, the, like, like is, it, is it still monofaction if you use Brood Brothers with it? Yes, you get one detachment and you can uh, still count as yeah. Gene Steeler Cult. Cool. Yep. So I would say there's probably a lot of that in there. Um, and obviously, you know, like new hotness probably plays a little bit into it. They're still, you know, new kids on the block to some extent. And they've got some really interesting shenanigans. So Yeah, that's true. Like they are like they are a really tempting army. Like I'd never play them. <laughs> I love that they exist. I love that like like I love the models, I love everything about them. I just never play them. Um, that's fair. Which, which is sort of interesting, but I love that they're in the game. It's kind of like I, I don't ever want to play orcs, right? Um, like in yeah. 40k. Like orcs just do nothing for me from like the playing perspective. Um, but I love that they exist as villains. I love that they're yep. there and my guardsmen can like shoot flashlights at them. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> sort of, yeah. They make really cool like minions and stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. So, anything else for games played? Um, no, that's it. So I played that game, and that was... I think that was it? Yes, a little bit of Undertale, which is the computer game thing. Uh, I finally bought and installed that, but that's it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, well, if that's the case, um, I might wax lyrical about Space Marines for a bit. Perfect. Go nuts. I will uh, start. I will keep painting my unmade while you talk. No, I'm kidding. Of course. Yeah, just just put your microphone on mute and I'll just talk about this amazing codex I've got in front of me. Um, so a little bit of background. I've, I've been playing Space Marines since, uh, since Second Ed. Uh, they were my first love in 40k, specifically Blood Angels. Um, but I've always, almost every single edition, the one thing I've sort of had floating around the place has been some sort of Space Marine army. Um, so very excited to get this in hand uh, and especially sort of I, I guess the the thing is you know space marines have always been the poster child of warhammer um well, warhammer 40,000 I, I don't think there's ever been an edition where they haven't been front and center mm. you know i'm just thinking back no can't really think of a time that they haven't been um like i remember like walking into games workshops when they used to have like big life-size space marine cardboard cutouts um advertising like thursday night game night and things like that so 
um, no, pretty special one. And obviously, you know, most people that get into the hobby, they're sort of the first army or one of the first armies that most people will play, which is really cool. But the thing that's sort of been a bit of a letdown is I reckon that, you know, since probably fourth edition, um, they haven't really been much of a force to reckon with on the table. Like there's been certain builds, like, you know, there's an argument that in eighth edition, you know, a Gilliman gun line was a decent army. Uh, especially when it first came out and it was one of the first, well, it was the first Codex for 8th edition, was it? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, but it, it's always suffered a bit from being the first Codex in that everything yeah. else Codex creeps on it uh, instead of the other way around. So I think now we're sort of stay seeing what a Space Brain Codex should actually kind of look like relative to a lot of other things that are going on. And I said this to you uh, offline earlier today, that I feel like for the first time um, they're really giving a lot of credence to the narrative of Space Marines. There's a lot of things that I've seen in this codex. And I know a lot of other people, like I listen to other podcasters at the moment talking about Space Marines and YouTubers talking about them. And we're all sort of hitting on a few of the same things. They have some really cool, you know, unit buffs that have been given into this decks. They've got some cool stratagems. They've got some good... Um, you know, relics, psychic powers, all the all sorts of stuff that really make you go, okay, these are the space marines that you saw in the Dawn of War one um, opening cinematic, and these <laughs> are the space marines you read about in Black Library novels, and all yep. this sort of stuff. Uh, it's it's not like, oh, you know, I read this mad Black Library thing, and this space marine charged like a human guy, and he like freaked out and wet himself and couldn't move because he was so scared. Yep, yep, yep. And it's like, but they don't do that on the tabletop, and the guardsman just, you know, bayonets the dude. And it's like, oh, cool. <laughs> um, yep. You know, or like, you know, bolters, are like they go into like so much detail on, you know, how bolters work and, you know, what they do to, you know, unarmored flesh and the rest of it. And then you get to it in the game, and it's like, oh, it doesn't have an AP value. And it doesn't, you know, oh, this is a bit of a fucking letdown. Um, but no more. No more. This codex kind of uh, takes care of this. So what I thought I'd do is I don't want to sort of read through page by page uh, of oh. the codex uh, as much as Doug might like that. Um, I'm, the <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just pick a few things that have leapt out to me. Uh, as I said before, I haven't played a game with the new Space Marines yet, and I really want to do that before I come back. Um, and some of the stuff I might say might be absolute bullshit as a result. But it's just a few things that I've sort of noticed, and I know it matches up with a few things I've heard other people notice. So I, I think we're kind of on the money. Mm. Uh, so first things first, it is currently the largest codex on sale, pages-wise, apparently. Oh. Um, I got told when I went and picked it up the other day. So it's got 192 pages. So it's a waste of time. Uh, it's got some pretty amazing fluff in it. I haven't actually read the fluff section of the Space Marine Codex in probably two or three editions because it never <laughs> changed. Um, and now it's uh, it's got some cool stuff in here. And it's actually got a lot of really awesome stuff about Primaris Marines. Like there's this really oh, cool double-page spread in here called Beyond the Ultima Founding. And it talks about the three types of Primaris, the Awoken, the Indoctrinated, and the Ascended. So the Awoken are the guys that were hanging out in the crypts on Mars mm -hmm. that call kind of, you know, wakes up and pushes out into the crusade. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. sort of, it, it, and it's interesting because it kind of, most of this seems to be from the point of view, like you get the feeling when you read the fluff section, the Gilliman's writing it. 
Nice. Um, it's interesting. And if it's not Gilliman, it's somebody like that. It's, you know, a Marnius Calga person. But I get the feeling it's Gilliman that's supposed yep. to be kind of writing, like, this is kind of supposed to be, like, the Codex of Starters, right? Yep. Um, and that comes out a bit in this. And so it talks about uh, the Awoken guys and how they sort of, like, in their integrations with the chapters, and it talks about them as Grey Shields as well, where they weren't, you know, they might have had Gene Seed from chapters, but they were mm. in, you know, unmarked armor and they weren't considered to be of those chapters yet. Then it talks about the Indoctrinated, who are the next reinforcements created during the Crusade. Mm-hmm. So in very much the same way as the original Space Marines are created, they create Primaris. And then obviously the Ascended are where they've taken people that, well, you know, are starters that are already Space Marines and they elevate them to Primaris. And yeah. how that kind of goes. Um so, yeah, and, and it's, it's kind of interesting because there's definitely, you get this interplay. Uh, and once again, you know, I get the feeling that a lot of this is from like an ultramarine perspective, like a very codex perspective on it, of everybody sees the benefits of Primaris. Mm. But at the same time, it is such a departure from what was done. Like they have this almost like, as as a chapter or as like a group of chapters, a lot of them are kind of like, oh, this is awesome and amazing and they're so powerful and we need these guys, but they haven't actually fought with us. They're not of our chapter as far as we're concerned. Like, a lot of chapters still see them as being, like, Martian meddling. Um, yeah. And the fact that they weren't created by the Emperor sort of causes a problem for some chapters. Um, and then also, like, the the other thing that's really interesting that I didn't realise is that the guys that Call put together, right, that have been, like, hanging out in the labs on Mars for all these years, are very much set up like heresy space marines. So it's kind of like, if you're a plasma gunner, you're a really good plasma gunner, but you don't know how to drive a rhino. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Whereas, like, 40k space marines, right, like, chapter space marines, they have to start off as scouts, then they go to usually it's like devastators and assault companies and then you sort of move through. So it's like the bloke with the plasma gun knows how to drive the rhino, fly the land speeder and the thunderhawk, probably also knows how to you know wear a jump pack. Um, whereas yeah. the first lot of Primaris guys, if you were psycho-indoctrinated inside of your test tube into being like an aggressor, you don't know what to do with a Hellblaster volley gun. Nice. Um, <laughs> Like it's it's yeah, uh, which is kind of interesting, and it's and apparently they have huge issues like um, integrating them into the chapters because the chapters are like, hang on, we now have to like change our tactics and we need to do this, and the mm. Primaris guys are like, uh, uh, um, uh, shit, just keep doing the same thing, and they're like, what so, the fuck are those guys doing? <laughs> so is that why Primaris can't ride drop pods or rhinos or anything? Because they haven't done the training for it they, yeah they, they probably haven't had like the matrix download because it says here and hang on I'll, I'll read it out um where does it say um emerged from stasis fully psychologically indoctrinated to each fulfill a single strategic role nice so possibly what happened was that they forgot to run the program for the guy that helps them into the drop pod <laughs> so they get to the drop pod they're like shit we seem to be slightly too tall for these um, and the one guy that could have put that last puzzle piece together, they just never indoctrinated him properly. 
Um, so yeah, that, that's that's kind of interesting. And then obviously um, the next guys that they actually bring into the chapter during the crusade mm. are kind of like improved upon it because it's like we've got all this new tech, but we can actually teach them how to fight with the chapters. Yep, uh, which is interesting. And then the the ascended, it's kind of well seems to be the special character style guys um, getting a bit of a buff. Yeah, and I guess opens it up to, to elevate the whole chapter. You know, once the once all the fighting is done and you can spend the time to upgrade your military forces, right? Because there's going to yeah. be an end. It's not only war in the 41st millennium, yeah? Well, I... <laughs> Well, I, I, I think what the interesting thing is that, like, there's a, in this little box of text that talks about the Ascended, there's a lot of question marks over things. Yeah, right. Um, and I'm sort of, um, sort of interested to see, because in a lot of the Primaris fluff, there's this big kind of idea that, you know, the way that Call's done things has ironed out any of the flaws, right? Like, you're not going to have... Yep. Blood Angel Primaris falling to the Black Rage. You're not going to have Raven Guard Primaris growing beaks. Um, yep. But there seems to be, they came, seem to be pushing a lot of question marks back into it that there might be something else that might go wrong. Um, so you kind of get the feeling that at the moment, like everything's really fantastic, but, you know, at what cost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it certainly, it, previously there's been the sense that sure, Call has claimed that he's ironed out all the kinks, but there's still some particularly angry Blood Angels guys and some particularly long-toothed Space Wolf guys. So, like, he hasn't ironed out all the kinks. Yeah, 100%. And, and, like, there's a lot of comments about, you know, like, you know, Call, but then it's gets juxtaposed against when they talk about the emperor and how the emperor did things. And you get the mm. feeling that as much as, you know, he might be this amazing Magos and the rest of it, he's not the emperor. And if the emperor yep. couldn't do it, this bloke definitely can't have done it. He just doesn't realize he hasn't done it yet. Yeah. It's like yeah, that yeah. Martian, like Martian hubris kind of thing. And it, eventually it's going to lead to some sort of downfall, but it's just, what is it? And, and how that could, that's going to manifest itself, nice. which is kind of cool. I do like that side of it. Uh, but in the meantime, let's just make as many of these dudes as possible and put them everywhere because the last time we did that, it went swimmingly. Yeah, that's right. This isn't going to cause some kind of internal schism, <laughs> right? <laughs> It'll be fine. Uh, well, one thing I will, but before I sort of jump into the, the, the rules side of things, one thing, and you just sort of said about, you know, elevating the entire chapter. Reading this book, one of the things I've been doing list hammer-wise is actually a more traditional Space Marine army with no Primaris in it. Mm. Um, and I think it's actually viable. And I think it's viable because of some of the changes to things like drop pods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also think it's viable because veterans have changed massively. Well, no, okay, they haven't changed massively. Their points have changed massively. Uh, <laughs> and, and what you can do with them. Uh, is really great. Like obviously, you know, uh, company company veterans, yep. stern guard guys, all that sort of thing. Um, there's a lot of units here that suffered from being weaker than Primaris, but now they've been given delivery systems that kind of make that a moot point. Like you didn't want to walk stern guard across the table at somebody. Yeah. Now yeah. you've got drop pods that you can kind of do that with instead. Um, you know, company veterans 
super cheap, super flexible. You could kit them out however you want to kit them out. You know, I think they're like two or three points for a storm shield on the guys. Yes. Um, so you have these really sort of like low cost hundred point units that you can dump into somebody's backfield. Um, and you, you kind of can't ignore them. And then you add some of the stratagems that are in here as well. Uh, mm. If you're willing to spend some of the points. And, and I really think that you're going to have like a, a thorn unit. Like I think space Marines might actually be able to do. Um, and I'm talking like stunty space Marines. If you did an army of like just stunties, right. Mm-hmm. They might be able to do what your gene stealer cult list does. They could yeah. present a very MSU, almost no massive threat, just a lot yep. of very similar threats that are all going to be really annoying. And at the end of the day, like you get them into cover and their basic dudes are rocking like two up armor saves. Yeah, exactly. And there is something to say, say for that. And with the new, um, the new combat doctrines, angels of death, everything else stacking up there, it's just buffs on top of buffs. And I think it means that, you know, even like, like, even like your most standard tactical Marine, at the end of the day, I think there's a place for it. Um, which is yeah, which is really cool. I really like that. I like the idea that like I almost feel like I can have a Primaris army that's going to be grav tanks and flying utes and all sorts of cool stuff like on the Primaris side, and then I yep. can have a traditional Space Marine army as well, which nice. I really like. I, I really like the idea that you know, and they can both be kind of powerful in different ways on the tabletop. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So, that, so that's, that's one big takeaway for me from this codex is I think almost any way you want to build your army is going to be kind of viable in that Primaris traditional space marine. Excellent. Trying to think of a word. Synergy. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Look, I, I want to pick a few things. So the first thing, obviously, and a lot of people have been harping on about this, but it's drop pods. Um, I think they need to be sort of considered... Um, especially if you're somebody like me who, who got rid of every single one of their drop pods not too long ago because they were fucking useless. Well, that's egg on my face. So drop pods, the big thing about them now is obviously 65 points is not a whole lot of points. Uh, they're a dedicated transport. Sorry, I'm just actually trying to find the page in the codex. Ah, here we go. Um, and basically they have this little italicized line that says match play this model and any units embarked upon it are exempt from the tactical reserves match play rule. That's fucking massive. They're the Mm. only unit in the entire game that has that there. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, whether we're going to see more of that come through now that they've done it in this codex, I don't know. I imagine that maybe chaos at some point might get something similar like chaos space Marines. Um, but at the moment, what that means you can do is if you're an absolute crazy son of a bitch, you could null deploy. Um, yeah. In a game where no other army can null deploy, you could keep everything off the table and drop pods. It means that you can bring drop pods in up until the very last turn of the game instead yeah. of having to have everything on the table by, I think it's third turn or fourth turn. Third, yeah. Third turn, yep. Um it doesn't have it, it means that they don't count towards the 50% of your army having to be on the table um, or off the yeah. table. It doesn't get counted for any of that sort of stuff. So um, that in itself is pretty amazing. 
obviously, the other thing is, you know, it, it drops anywhere on the table you want as long as it's nine inches away. Uh, and the other thing that's also worth noting is that when a drop pod drops and the doors come down, um, the area of it is measured from the doors. So I think yes, somebody correct. was saying that it's like nine inches. The model is nine inches across. So the utility in a drop pod can be a lot more than a transport device. Uh, you can screen stuff. You can block off pathways to things. Um, you can drop drop pods and pick up things like behind enemy lines or recon with them if you want. Um, and uh -huh. then your opponent has to kind of go and do something about it. Although I guess the flip side to that is it also gives your opponent a, a fairly easy way to go and lock something in combat so you can't shoot at their units. So kind of keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, my initial feelings on drop pods, and I definitely do want to try a full drop pod army in eighth. I reckon that would be really cool. But I feel like you're not going to do that. You're probably going to have a few choice squads in drop pods. As I said, you know, whether they're company, uh, company vets or stern guard vets, um, put them in there, drop them down whenever you want. Um, you know, maybe like hold them back a bit later in the game, turn four, turn five, turn six, drop them down, pick up some of those secondaries if you're playing ITC um, or even, you know, contest objectives and whatnot. But the one thing that they, they don't have, and they haven't had this so far in eighth, but just if anybody's thinking about it from maybe a seventh ed point of view, uh, they don't have inertial guidance anymore. Correct. So you have to be able to, you, you can get zoned out by them. Um, and that's kind of why I think that the, the whole full drop pod army may not be that great. Yeah. Uh, it is obviously, you know, if you give somebody an entire turn, there's a lot of armies that will be able to rush up and basically zone out two thirds of the table, if not more. Yep. So keep that in mind. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the next one. Uh, so you got any, any thoughts there on the drop pod there, Doug? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a little upset that space Marines are now the ones who get the turn one deep strike uh, rather than Gene Steeler Colt, but that's okay. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, I get it, right? Like, drop pods have always been that turn one, deep strike, half your army at least, and then the rest of it sort of comes on piecemeal. So uh, um, I just want to read you the little bit of flavor text that goes with the drop pod. Mm. A drop pod assault is the purest manifestation of the Emperor's wrath. First the impact, the sound of a fist from the heavens crashing to earth, then the rising, choking terror of the enemy last, the martial chorus of bolt of fire as we mow them down. A righteous anger, a thunderous proclamation of death. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's why we get it and you don't. Because we've got Me. cool flavor text. But your emperor is missing two arms. <laughs> it's fine, though. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I think you're right. They're they're fine. I can see them being used to drop some clutch units in. But I think because everybody lost their shit as soon as they saw the ignores tactical reserves and so everyone was like null deploy null deploy but you're right in that even i don't think it's gonna be vital lists, no with the uh well i mean if i'm playing a null deploy deep strike list i'll just deploy all my acolytes anyway but you know if i can run up box out most of the table and then either you don't have the space to put stuff down and therefore things come in piecemeal and i eat them or yep. you have to deploy in your deployment zone anyway, and then I've just gotten two turns of getting closer to you. 
So yeah. Yeah, I, um, I I think that's one of that's going to be the the hardest thing for people to kind of get right. Um, obviously, the the other flip side to that, a few people have been talking about, and, and I'm not a fan of doing this, but this is like the narrative side of me speaking, <laughs> is the dedicated transports. You don't have to put anything in them, though. Correct. So you can buy them for units, deploy the units normally, or reserve the units normally, and just use these things for screening, objective grabbing. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you want as well, which I think a few people will probably use them for. Like at 65 points, the utility and a frigging drop pod that ignores the tactical reserves match play rule is massive. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's fine. I, I'm imagining that it will probably become a a mainstay on most tables for, for exactly what we were saying, that sort of two to three pods uh, with some kind of unit inside or empty being used either as a screener or an objective grabber late late game. So I think that's kind of what I'm expecting from them. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, Yeah, what's next? Going to pick up next on... Oh well, actually, uh, this this sort, of, this sort of runs across quite a few units. Um, but one of the big mm-hmm. changes is that anything wearing Gravis armor, mm-hmm. so obviously Captain in Gravis armor, Inceptor squads, uh, not Suppressor squads, uh, no Aggressor squads. Sorry, is the other one. Um, yep. they've all gone to three wounds apiece. So things like um, Inceptors and Aggressors, and uh, they didn't go up in points either. Um, so they've just gotten an extra wound. Uh, you're not going to be killing them with auto auto cannons anymore. Um, and I'll yeah, like, there's a fair bit of like obviously two damage stuff out there. So going to three wounds on these, you know, like they are decent points, um, is pretty cool. Uh, and actually talking about aggressor squads, um, especially if you're running them as ultramarines. Mm-hmm. Because the Ultramarines doctrine basically says that they don't move, means you can wander around double tapping. Uh, and I think somebody was saying that you basically, um, if you max out your aggressors, you could be throwing like 150 um, dice down the table before rerolls yep. <laughs> and things like that, which is pretty yep, nasty. Yep, yep. And before the uh, the frag storm grenade launchers go off as well. So I think definitely aggressors uh, are something out there. And with the uh, the Impulsor, which is the Primaris Flying Rhino Transport, they now have a sensible way of getting places. Uh, I didn't think that could carry Gravis stuff. Oh, seriously? Hang on. Yeah, I think you've got to be in a Repulsor. Ooh. Okay, well, scratch that, because I don't think you want to put them in a Repulsor. Hang on. No, but with three wounds. Uh, impulses. Most stuff. Oh, no, you're right. They can't take Gravis armor. All right, well, scratch that. Can they take turbos? Yes. It? It's like, yeah, okay. They, so they, can, they can't take jump pack or Gravis models. Sorry, I thought they could take Gravis models. Yeah. Apologies. All right, well, that's that's part of my list cut out. <laughs> <laughs> nice and easy. Save you some points. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's all right. Like, I do like aggressors. I think, you know, like, I, I want to somehow make the flamer guys work. Um, yeah. I just don't think you can go past the the damage of those. Well, the the, sh- the shots of the bolter guys. 
they're great in in like a death watch uh kill team because you can mix and match so you can have two yeah. dudes two or three dudes with the bolt storm gauntlets and one dude with the flamers to dissuade charging um and it works out quite well yeah i just don't think i want to put them in a repulsor like by that point it's yeah what, five or six hundred points yep and as good as it is it's probably not that great so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, as, as as much as I hate to admit it, um, I'm actually kind of falling a little bit in love with the Invicta Tactical Warsuit. Good. Uh, it's fine. Which is... <laughs> I guess that people don't like it, but, I, like, it's fine. I think as I as I keep looking at it, the, the less I'm upset by it. And, yeah, like, I keep seeing, even if, even if you don't like it as is, there's plenty of things you could do to it, right? Like... Oh, yeah. Like, my my biggest issue with Primaris models, right? And I know this is going to say be odd, but I don't like that, one, they use, like, tons of heavy heavy stubbers. <laughs> like, it's just odd, right? Like, Space Marines use bolters, please. But I hate that the the muzzles on all the, um, on all the stubber weapons have got holes in the sides of them. Like, they all look like Rambo guns. Yeah. But it's like, that's the easiest thing in the world to fix, right? Snip them off. Use yes. a different, like, muzzle. Like, it's it's not hard. Yep. Um, and, you know, Games Workshop has basically given us this really, really cool, like, Matrix Walker um, from the second and the third Matrix movies, which is awesome. So, no, very happy with that. Um, so, this guy, um, he's strength 7, toughness 6, so he's a little bit stripped down from, like, a, a standard Dreadnought or, like, a Redemptor. Yep. Uh, but he is rocking 13 wounds, which makes him better than a normal okay. Dreadnought. Yeah. I think there's still an 8 wounds or something like that. 4 attacks, leadership 8, save 3 plus. Um, he comes with a Fragstorm grenade launcher, which is the thing on his head. Uh, mm-hmm. Heavy bolter, incendium cannon, and 2 iron hail heavy stubbers, and an Invictus and an Invicta fist. Uh, he can swap out the incendium cannon for a twin iron hail auto cannon. Uh, he's got concealed positions, which basically means he can just set up anywhere, uh, nine inches away. Um, and he can use his heavy bolter, um, as a pistol three, which is kind of cool. And if you've seen, you can actually put the heavy bolter in his fist, apparently, which is pretty awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking the way that I would want to run this guy, um, depending on which army he kind of goes into, because obviously, remember, everything now gets like the combat doctrines, the chapter tactics and all that sort of stuff. Yep. So there's a few, there's, there could be a few boosts there. But um, I think I like him with the twin iron hail autocannon, which is range 48, heavy 6, strength 7, able to minus 1, 2 damage. Uh, and then obviously um, he'll benefit from the devastator doctrine on turn 1. So then that becomes AP minus two, uh, two damage. Uh, you can do a bunch of other stuff to get that damage to boost up as well, which is really nice. Um, well, obviously, if you're playing him in something like a close support role, which I guess is kind of where he's supposed to be as opposed to a firebase, the Incendium Cannon is heavy 2d6, 12 inches, strength 5, AP minus 1, 1 damage, uh, auto hits. So it's kind of like a super... It's kind of like two heavy flamers yeah it's a hellhound cannon it's nice not quite as good but you know yeah hellhound ish um which is great because then you can set him up nine inches away and still torch stuff on turn one 
Yeah, and, and, and look, the other cool thing is the um, the heavy stubbers, the heavy bolts are obviously they're all heavies, so they're all going to yeah. benefit from the um, Devastator Doctrine mm-hmm. um, that comes through. So like those Iron Hail heavy stubbers, they're range 36, heavy 3, uh, strength 4, AP minus 1, 1 damage. Um, so even that's going to be kind of a decent threat with that Devastator Doctrine. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think between the model and, and, and the rules, I think we're going to see quite a few of the uh, Invicta Tactical War suits kicking around the place. Yep. So I'm I trying agree. to I'm trying to work an army that's got like two or three of them in there. Yeah. Um, but I'm not entirely sure it's like I think one of them or two of them could do like a, a very like they could have a role. I think going to three might be a bit of overkill with it. Um, yeah. So does that it degrade? It does degrade, yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. So what does it lose as it gets hurt? Um, pretty sure it's... Uh, so movement? Yep. Oh, it's also movement 10. Yeah, so it's, it's de- decently oh. fast. Yep. So it goes movement 10, movement 8, movement 6, uh, weapon yep. skill 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus, and same plus 6 skill. 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus as it goes oh. down. Okay. <coughs> Um, yeah, so it's that one. Um, what else have I got in here that I really was liking the look of? Oh, 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 that's what it was. Go over to the character side of things. Ah, I see. Now let's talk about chaplains. Mm, Everybody else to? is talking about chaplains. I want to talk yeah, about chaplains, right. Mom. <laughs> so, uh, and this goes for chaplains. Primaris chaplains, chaplains in Terminator armor, chaplains with jump packs. Um, so I remember back to the days of, I want to say it was like third edition, um, third, third and fourth edition, back in the heady days when power weapons just ignored all armor saves. So before we had like an AP system. Um, mm-hmm. And the best thing in the world was a chaplain because they were super cheap. They came with uh, a four plus invol save. Um, and they had a power weapon, which was the Crozius. And then they also did things like they let the squad they were with re-roll, they missed hits. Um, eventually they ended up with like all sorts of other special rules stacked on top of that. I think that was like, you know, proto-hatred or something like that at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always had like a really soft spot for um, Space Marine Chaplains. I think they're awesome models, um, really cool idea. So um, yeah, enter this Chaplain here and they get a rule called called uh spiritual leaders so any space friends within six inches can use their leadership of nine um here it is so they now have a priest rule so this model knows the litany of hate see boy so litany of hate um if it's inspiring you can re-roll hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons for any units whilst they're within six inches if they share the same chapter um and they also know one litany of battle. Uh, so I'll quickly run through what the litanies of battle are. So these are very similar to the Dark Apostle rules. Mm. Like similar sort of idea. They work in kind of the same way. Um, page 188. Okay, so you choose one of these. So before the battle, generate litanies for the chaplain models. The no litanies from litanies of battle using the table below. You can either roll a d6 to generate it. Um, or you can select what you want. 
So litany of faith, if the litany is inspiring when a model is uh, in a friendly chapter unit within six inches loses a wound as a result of a mortal wound, roll a d6 on a five plus, that wound is not lost. Um, it's not cumulative. Um, yep. So you can't have multiple rolls, you only get one. Uh, Catechism of fire, if this litany is inspiring, select one friendly unit within six inches of the model when resolving an attack made with a ranged weapon by a model in that unit against the closest visible enemy unit, add one to the wound roll. Um, that's kind of cool. Not bad. But, but obviously it's got to be against like the, uh, the nearest uh, visible unit, which, yeah. Uh, Exhortation of Rage. If this litany is expire, uh, inspiring, select one friendly unit within six inches. When resolving an attack made with a melee weapon uh, on an unmodified roll of six, make one additional attack uh, against the same unit using the same weapon. The additional attack cannot generate another attack. So exploding sixes in combat is pretty cool. Four, Mantra of Strength. Uh, add one to the model's attacks and strength characteristic and add one to the damage characteristic of melee weapons. Um, so that's kind of awesome. So this is like only on the chaplain himself. Yeah. But just keep this in mind because this is kind of where the beat stick starts to sort of come out in the uh, in the chaplain here. Uh, Whitney of Focus. Select one friendly unit within six of the model when resolving an attack made with a ranged weapon. Add one to the hit roll. Not a bad one for a gun line. Uh, and then Canical of Hate. Add two to the charge rolls made for friendly chapter units also within six inches. In addition, when a friendly chapter unit makes a pile in or consolidate within six, models in the unit can move up to an additional three inches. Uh, it's not cumulative with anything else. But, you know, additional pile in is also really, really nice. Yeah. So those are the litanies of battle. So you get all the chaplains have that litany of hate. Uh, and then you choose one other one, and then you roll a dice, and on a three plus for that turn, you get whatever the litany is for whoever's within six inches, which is kind of awesome. Uh, stat line's pretty cool two plus weapon skill, three plus plus skill, strength, toughness, four, four wounds, three attacks, nine leadership, uh, save three plus. Move into six, you can give him a jump pack. Comes with a Crozius. Uh, can give him anything from uh, the pistols list or the combi weapon list. Uh, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else here. Rosarius has a four plus invulnerable save, uh, and they've got that leadership bubble as well. Um, so yeah, chaplains are uh, pretty awesome. Obviously, you can stack a bunch of stuff, get a bunch more attacks in there. And then, if we then jump into the relics section here quickly. Oh, by the way, this codex is set out so much better than any other codex I've read in the last, you know, couple of years from Eighth Edition. Nice. Well, good. Um, things seem to be exactly where you want them to be. All right, so there is a chapter relic called the Benediction of Fury. So this is replaces a Crozius Arcanum. Mm -hmm. So range melee, type melee, strength plus two, AP minus two, damage three. When resolving an attack with this weapon, an unmodified wound roll of a six inflicts one mortal wound on the target in addition to any other damage. Nice. So, yeah, um, that's pretty awesome. Uh, you add to that there's a bunch of stratagems in here. You can attack twice with things. Yep. Uh, you know, all, all sorts of fun stuff like that. Um, uh, what else have we got? Uh, there's one here called Gene Rot Might. Um, so this would be for a Primaris Chaplain because it can only be used on Primaris guys. Uh, when resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by model in this unit, an unmodified hit roll of six automatically scores a hit and successfully wounds the target. 
Um, so you don't even have to roll to wound, which is kind of cool, and you just, like, three damage straight through. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Um, so there's a few... So there's a few things in here that um, can do a lot of damage when you chuck them onto a chaplain. Uh, I, I think we'll, what we'll probably see is these guys are basically going to become cheaper, much cheaper slam captains. Uh, yeah. And even the idea of possibly like Supreme Command detachments of like three jump plaque chaplains um, could be really, really nasty. Because you give them all different um, litanies of hate and then you stack the litanies. Mm-hmm. Um, because each chaplain can have his own litany going, and obviously it's like a bubble AOE, so um, yep. you can have a ton of fun with that. Um, and just let me have a look at what else. There was, there was something else here I wanted to talk about. It was one of those new Phobos units. Are uh, they the ignore next to hit guys? Uh, no, 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 no. Hang on. Uh, the, the sniper guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, Eliminators. Oh, right. No, hang on. Sorry. I know what I'm doing wrong. I'm looking for them in, like, the Elite section. I think they're a heavy support choice. I think so, yeah. Here we go. Eliminator squad. So these are the um, the Sniper dudes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they've got some pretty interesting rules. Um, Obviously, you lots of targeting of characters, um, lots of ignoring line of sight, uh, which is really nice for ITC stuff. Um, One of the really cool things they've got uh, is an ability called Covering Fire. So the first time this unit's Eliminator Sergeant fires Overwatch with a bulk carbine in your opponent's turn, this unit can, after it's resolved its Overwatch, move as if it was the movement phase. Except it can't advance. So I can kind of, like, piss off really quickly, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Sergeant can also forego shooting and uh, buff weapons, uh, buff the ballistic school of the guys around them. Um, which is kind of interesting. So I think there's a bit of play there in the Eliminator squad, um, as well as like a backfield. Uh, you can give them the, uh, where is it? The last fusel at 36 inches, heavy one, strength eight, AP minus three, three damage. Uh, and obviously the Devastator Doctrine works on that one as well, um, yeah. which would be a bit of fun. Although they do cost a decent amount of points and you're only getting three of them and you're sort of giving up a heavy support squad which is something I think Space Marines at the moment have got a ton of stuff that's good. Like Hellblasters are still amazing. Uh, Thunderfire cannons with tremor shells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because there's a, a stratagem that allows them to fire twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that could be a bit of fun. Um, I think Whirlwinds might have some play because, once again, you can give them a fire twice strategy. Uh, Land Raiders, I think, are still amazing. I don't think Land Raiders have ever not been amazing in 8th edition. And if you don't believe me, come and fight me. Uh, Land Raider Crusaders, same thing, Land Raider Redeemers. Um, I, I'm still not sold on the Repulsor Executioner. No. Um, although I don't think anything's changed since they came out. I think it's just exactly the same. I think even the points are uh, the same on this guy here. Um yeah, so that's sort of like my standouts. Um, I'm still going through it. As I said, I haven't played any games with it yet, but to me, those are kind of the the big things out there. Um, I haven't got stuck into Like, I don't play Ultramarines. I don't play White Scars, so I haven't got stuck in there. I know that Ultramarines, I think, have come out of it as much as Gilliman's dropped some efficiency. It's opened up a lot of options for them, which I think is going to make it a better game 
and more interesting for people that actually play Ultramarines because instead yeah. of just going, right, Gilliman just goes there first and then it's what can we put around Gilliman? Um, I think we're going to see a lot of Ultramarines lists that don't have Gilliman in it. You know, they're going to run Calgar, they're going to run Librarians and, and uh, Captains and things like that instead. Um, yeah, yep. which I is kind they, of... Um, <laughs> I heard a good case today for running Cassius as well, because he's a double litany chaplain. Yes, yes, that, that's right. Uh, as much as you can't take a jump pack, he can have two litanies going at once. Mm. Um, so if you really want to stack all that stuff up there, I think that's kind of uh, a cool way to do it. Um, in regards to the chapter tactics, um, as I said, I think Ultramarines are, are pretty awesome, so they get to add one of the leadership characteristics. Um, units with this tactic can shoot in a turn in which they fell back, but if they do, they resolve it. Uh, at minus one to hit. So I think that's kind of very similar to what they had before. Yeah. Uh, does a lot of work for them, which is really nice. Uh, Black Templars. Anybody that's a Black Templar fan, I think, uh, will really enjoy this one. So charge rolls, uh, you can reroll any or all of the dice, which is kind of awesome. Uh, and they have a five plus uh, damage prevention roll against mortal wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're two that I like, obviously. I, I think they're actually all really good. Uh, and this is one thing in this codex, and I, I've said this, you know, ad nauseum, but there's choices. It's like, like even if you're coming to this from, like, I want to play competitive Space Marines, I don't care what chapter it is, I just want to play something competitive. You know, for most of 8th, it was like, well, okay, there's Gilman Gunline, and before the FAQ, Raven Guard? Um... Yeah. <laughs> You know, and that was kind of it. Um, whereas now I think you can really pick and choose any of these ones that are here. Or well, obviously the, the, the other new hotness with this book is making your own successor chapter tactics. Um, mixing and matching different things, which I think we're going to see some really interesting combos. I haven't had a chance to go through and go, oh, this one looks good with this one over here. Um, but I think there's definitely some really awesome stuff. Um give you an idea of what's in here. Do, 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 do. Uh, tactical withdrawal, so you can charge in a turn in which you fell back. So basically hit and run. Yep. Uh, um, what else we got in here? Um, long range marksman, add three inches to the range characteristics of ranged weapons. It's not bad. Kind of cool, I guess. Uh, uh, I imagine the benefit there would be flamers. Yes, yes. You could overwatch awesome. units that deep struck and charged you. Ooh. Which would be nice. Yeah. So my gene steal is suddenly not safe against flamers against those guys. Um, what else have we got in here that's cool? Um, okay, uh, duelists. When resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by a model with this tactic against an infantry or biker, an unmodified hit roll of six, um, scores a hit and successfully wounds a target. Yeah, nice. that's kind of cool. Um, so that was like that stratagem I was telling you about before, mm. well, which is really nice. Um, and then the last thing I want to sort of like finish up this little, this little Space Marine section on is just talking about a couple of stratagems that have really jumped out at me. And these are the ones that are saying have like a really good narrative flavor to them as well as being... Mm-hmm. Like, awesome. So the first one is the oops, transhuman physiology. 
So this is two mm. CP. Any space marine can use this. So use this strategy when an adaptive society's unit from your army that is not a vehicle or a servitor is chosen as a, chosen as a target for an attack. Until the end of the phase when resolving an attack against this unit, an unmodified wound roll of one to three always fails, irrespective of abilities of the weapon or the model making the attack. Mm. Um, so that's kind of amazing. I love that. Um, what else have we got? Um... Oh, tremor shells. I was talking about tremor shells before. Mm, yes. The Thunderfire cannon. So one CP. Um, select a Thunderfire cannon model from your army until the end of that phase when resolving an attack made by that model, subtract one from the wound roll. But if a hit is scored, the target is shaken in your opponent's next movement phase. If the model cannot fly and is not titanic, halve its move characteristic and the result of any advance or charge rolls. So anything that sort of messes with movement yeah, is always powerful. great. So, yeah, and that's a 1 CP. Uh, and as I said, you know, there's... there's uh, where is it here? Um, is that um, is that 1 CP for the whole game or just for the phase? Just for the phase. Yeah, right. Just for the phase, yeah. So it's not it's not like a... Sh it's a strategy when you play when you want to fire the shell as opposed to yep. equipping with the shells. Yeah, uh, right. But on a turn where you're shooting twice, it's not bad. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that, like, there is a double shoot here for it, which is kind of awesome. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 2CP rapid fire, uh, an intercessor squad until the end of the phase, bolt rifles uh, that the models are equipped with have rapid fire too, which is nice. really nice. So we've, we've seen, we saw that one. Um, was it in the last Codex where it might have been Vigilus? I can't remember. It was a Vigilus upgrade for the veterans. Yeah. So now you can do that through here as well, which is really nice. So look, I, I, I think, you know, that's everything I sort of wanted to just quickly jump through with it. Um, I really want to get some games in with a few different types of armies, but I'm really loving the look of it. And I think over the next sort of month, two months, there's going to be quite a few um, ITC events across the world. And I think we're going to see some really interesting things come out of this book, let alone what comes out of Ultramarines, White Scars, and the rest of the supplements that they're going to roll out. Uh, and they've already said they're going to do one for each of this, uh, each of the main chapters. Yep. Um, and then the other thing, I guess, it goes along with it is that they have kind of dropped an FAQ errata for uh, Space Wolves, Blood Angels, Dark Angels, and Death Watch. Yes. Oh, and Grey Knights. They actually mentioned Grey Knights get some of the stuff. So the Shock Assault, where you get the extra um, attack in the first round of combat and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, they basically get everything except for the the Codex Doctrine and stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that will be interesting to see where that goes. Obviously, hoping that you know they get some sort of specific doctrine or traits to themselves, mm. uh, which would be really really nice. Uh, I'm not sure that any of the upgrades for the Grey Knights make them that much better than they are at the moment, but you know, live and hope and all that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, Space Marines, I'm going to give them ooh, 9.5 bolter shells out of 10. Nice. nice. Uh, and, and, and definitely, like, I think the actual codex it is kind of glorious. Like, as I said, the layout's amazing. Um, the art's really cool. There's a lot of new art in here. Ooh, nice. Um, and they've got rid of those, like, the... the um, I call them, like, the colour swatches where you see the different chapter colours. 
painted yep. up on like an intercessor. And they've got rid of like the cartoony bullshit that they've been doing, and they're back to like a more realistic um, drawing or sketch. Oh, cool! Which is really lovely. Um, and just tons yeah. of names, ton, tons of tons of stuff. Like if you if you're not sure how you want to paint your space marines, like. There's, you know, everything you can imagine in here. And it shows you, like, a ton of successor chapters um, and guys that, like, I've never come across before. Like, in the White Scar successor chapter thing, uh, Destroyers. Hmm. Like, really dark grey uh, with gold shoulder pads and gold helmets and gold chest eagles. So established during the second founding, the Destroyers have a troubled history, though they've won many great victories. Questions remain regarding the stability of their gene seed. These concerns have grown despite the self-sacrificing heroics the chapter displayed in the wake of the demon rampage throughout the Lorgus subsector. For their part, the Destroyers are concerned only with the next mission. So those guys sound pretty cool. Uh, never heard of them before. Let's have a what else have we got here. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, okay. So um, here's a new. Well, I think they're new to eighth edition, at least. Imperial Fist successor called the Hammers of Dawn. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Founded in the 41st millennium, the Hammers of Dawn have already proven themselves during hundreds of campaigns, including the bitterly fought Achilles Crusade against the Word Bearers and the Nightfire War against the Tau. The Hammers of Dawn are a stringent codex chapter and uphold the press, the precepts of Gilman scriptures with exacting precision. So they're black with like uh, orange trim, um, which is kind of an interesting scheme there. Um, it's really nice. It's, they actually their yeah. the chapter badge is the old is the uh, red faction one badge of like yep. the fist with the uh, the mining pick sort of thing. Except it's a hammer, nice. <laughs> which is really cool. Uh, so yeah, no, like this, the, it's an awesome book. Um, I, I was thinking actually, you asked me this afternoon if I was going to get the. Um, the Ultramarines and the White Scars Codex. I sort of said, I don't think so. Um, when I've got a bit of money, I think I will pick them up because the, they're just really lovely Codex books. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, which is nice. I like it. it it's much it, like it's a, it's ten times better than the Imperial Guard Codex. Nice. Just as like a book, the layout, everything else. So yeah. Anyway, that's probably waxing lyrical for long enough on Space Marines. Uh, but I hope there's been a bit of uh, cool information there. And if anybody has sort of been like, oh, don't know, uh, I think it is actually the time to jump back on the Space Marine bandwagon. Yeah, which is nice. really nice because it's definitely been a long time coming. Yeah, for sure. I think that's that's good. It's a lot of cool stuff. I um, I'm glad to hear that they've expanded the lore a little bit, which is which is always good. Um. You know, new units are always great, obviously. Uh, yeah, like, like, like I think they've, they've got a ton of tools in their toolbox now. Like, so many frigging tools. Like, like the, the choice is incredible. Um, and, and it's yeah. hard decision stuff. Like, yeah, there are definitely, like, really good units and some not-so-great units in there. But yep. for, the, for the main part, I think you're going to be able to find a reason to put almost anything in there in a list and there's going to be a lot of varied lists out there, which just makes for a better game, a better experience on the tabletop for everybody. Like, you know, Gillum and Gunlines are not really fun armies to play with or against. And then when they're 80% of Space Marine armies, you're going to go, oh, shit, you know, that's not what you want out of the game. And I think this is going to sort of remedy that very quickly. Yeah, nice. Very cool. Cool. Well, that's probably everything we want to do for this uh, this episode. 
Is there anything you can think of, Doug? Yeah. No, I mean, the, the only things that I've got left are, like, extended reflections on the law, right? So, like, I really want, and this is something I've said, you know, off-air before, and maybe even on-air, I can't remember, I really want some characters to start failing to cross the Rubicon Primaris. That would be interesting. That like, particularly really the the older kind of, I guess, not physically weaker, but physically weaker dudes. Like, I'd love to see Cassius and Dante both fail to cross the Rubicon Primaris because they're so old and beat up and kind of past it that they just can't get there. Yeah, I, I just, I, I kind of wonder, I, I kind of wonder what would happen. Like, mm. whether it would just destroy them to the point where, you know, like, they, they could still be around, like, they could still be some sort of, like, advisor to the chapter. But, like, imagine, like, Dante, right? You know? Yeah. Like, that like that would be pretty incredible because it's kind of like, yeah, sorry, um, you're never going to be able to, like, carry a jump pack ever again. We've, we've just completely fucked you up. Um, whoops. But what you can do is put on this really cool robe and hang out with, like, all the tactician guys. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah, great. Good. Well, see, I'd really love like a and you know, I've used this term a few times around the place as well, like a dread Norton. So Orton Cassius in like a Leviathan yeah. or something. Just like kit it out and cranky. So um, a little bit like a, a little bit like um the Red Scorpions guy, Cone, Carob Cone or whatever his name yeah. is. Yeah. Just advance some of the characters into something other than what they already are. Like yeah. so I mean you could do the same thing with Dante, right? We've we've got jump Dreadnoughts, courtesy of the Horus Heresy, and for good or ill. See, and that's the thing, right? People say the Invicta looks stupid. We've got jump Dreadnoughts in the Heresy. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Um, so we could yeah. put him in a jump Dread and say, Dante <laughs> didn't cross the Rubicon Primaris, but we stabilized him just. So we've put him in a Dreadnought with a jump pack, and here he is. Yeah. Um, well, actually, the, the one that I thought would be really interesting, um, or, or even as somebody that turns down the opportunity... Would be somebody like um, Lysander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and how you deal with that, like just like his background and like you know the, you know the bullheadishness that he sort of has, um, could be kind of yeah. cool to sort of work into there. Um, yeah, I don't know what you'd do with him. Would you? I guess it would make sense that he doesn't, or that he does like kind of like Calgar, right, and just sort of becomes a gravis armored. Dude, like the first real yeah, well, it'd have to be yeah. You'd have to imagine it was Gravis armor, and you just yeah have him slot back in with the Termies anyway. Yeah, although yeah, which, it might give you a good cool. sort of hammer, like as in actual legit Thunderhammer Gravis squad for the Imperial mm. Fists. Yeah, so like like, cool. like some sort of like melee aggressive aggressive unit mm. with like two hammers each or something. <laughs> Yeah, or even like a um, like one bolt storm gauntlet and a hammer. Yeah, that could be cool. Something. It's I don't know. I'm just spitballing. <laughs> uh, but yes, I want people to start failing because it was because that was the whole thing, right? Like Calgar with Calgar, it was always this thing of will he make it? Will he not? It's it's tense. You might not pull through. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. of to, course, to, he was always gonna. <laughs> yeah, to just have everybody just like, oh yes, I'll have that upgrade. Thanks and. Yeah, that's right. Through Otherwise, the exactly. out the other side, the way you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that's <laughs> yeah, and and that's why I, like I real like I really don't think that Games Workshop wants to get rid of traditional Space Marines, or else they wouldn't yeah. be in this book, and they wouldn't have 
the fluff that's there and they wouldn't be saying that no Primaris can't have drop pods. They can't have rhinos. They can't have land raiders. Because it's kind of like, I could see them getting rid of tactical squads, but I couldn't ever see them getting rid of drop pods or rhinos and land raiders. Yeah. They're, they're, they're too ensconced within, like, uh, that foundational lore, like the artwork and everything else. It's like, you know, what do, what do you do? And so it's either you've got to give them to Primaris, which they very much don't want to do. Mm. Um, and the other thing is I think that, you know, from, like, a modeling perspective, and I know that this doesn't have that much to do with the rules and everything else, but the Primaris aesthetic is so different like it's it's grav tanks it's different armor marks it's utility whereas traditional space marines are still like space knights yep and i think that's yeah i I think they're two different things and i think games workshop's happy having two different things there so as long as they both work in the game as well as each other i think we should be happy with it as well yeah yeah and it's it's more narratively interesting to have the two sort of trying to 100 percent live with each other uh, so that's always good awesome well in that case I would say that is uh, that is episode 73 Space Marines done I agree I well, agree I, I, I hope our, our listeners have enjoyed uh, 73 um, we'll back in this by saying please find us on Facebook at the Loaded Dice Podcast uh, if you would like to send us emails or messages, uh, Facebook's really good for messaging us. If you want to email us, uh, send us through army lists, pictures, uh, whatever it is, uh, the loaded dice cast at gmail.com. That is the loaded dice cast at gmail.com uh, is our email address or just through the Facebook page is pretty good. Uh, Instagram as well. Um, yes. Our Instagram account, I think you can message through Instagram, slide into our DMs or whatever the kids say these days. Um, And actually, one thing that we didn't talk about, Doug, was the hobby setups that people sent over. So we'll have a bit of a chat about those uh, next episode. Yes, but thank you for sending them in. Keep sending them in. Uh, It's cool to see where you all work. It's nice to see some good ergonomically sort of sensible setups. (laughs) Doug really likes the idea that he gets to see inside your houses without having to climb a ladder first. Also good. It's true. <laughs> All right, guys, it's been amazing. We'll see you in another two weeks' time. Indeed. Catch you then.